Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-filled discussion for What If Season 2. Just be careful. I don't think I can bear to narrate what might happen next. Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. My name is Nate, and I'll once again be your guide uh, through this spoiler-filled discussion for What If Season 2. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, video games, and all things geek-centric. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode or these episodes uh, of Season 2, all of them, uh, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Joining me for today's discussion from across the cosmos, we have one heroes who one hero whose legacy is vast and triumphant. But what if we saw a different cut, an edit, maybe lost to time? Once again, we're joined by Justin, the lens wearing, always watching. He's always watching. Always watching. <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different that's a different series. That's a different watcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Right? True. So, yeah, she could. I honestly, they probably hang out. I think they're probably buddies. <laughs> They'd be best friends. Yeah, for sure. I, think I, so. I definitely agree. Uh, I don't think there would be anything <laughs> romantic going on, but I no. think that there would be a sort of appreciation for this idea of always, always watching. watching. <laughs> uh, well, Justin, I am stoked to get into what if season two uh, to talk in full spoilers. You know, we did the spoiler free. Uh, review just now uh, and uh, <laughs> just now actually yeah that's true we, we a little behind the the you know the, the cosmos here we're well, yes yeah. well we, i think we should preface you know holiday season everyone knows uh we are recording this uh in advance uh only two episodes have been out but when you're listening to this all nine episodes will have dropped you'll have watched them all which is why you're here to hear us talk about it so we don't really have anything else to go off of we don't know what fan reactions are right now in regards True. to episodes we don't have any they, sense they, of people that. could have hated it somehow exactly we could just be crazy and we could be crazy yeah. and we're we're diving <laughs> in but we're taking a chance here we're rolling the dice as they would say Nate, yeah because i'm almost certain that as the cool kids say season two slaps bro Season two slaps for the fans. Freaking good. We both gave it five out of fives. You can go back and listen to our spoiler-free review uh, if you would like to, um, but it's just going to be a lot of maybe some of the stuff we're talking about here, but in spoiler-free capacity. No, you're already Um, here. Just stick around. Just stick around. If you've watched them all, (laughs) stick around. You don't need to go here spoiler-free. Justin, uh, let's kick things off and maybe just get into, let's just get into talking about some of these episodes. Um, I want you to kick us off with, you know, let's, let's talk about, uh, what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas uh, is one Perfect. that I just it's so yeah. it, it's it, so much fun. It's the it's such a fun, perfect holiday episode. You know, its release is, is Christmas Eve. 
Uh, So it's just, it's the perfect episode. You know, I can see, you know, friends and family uh, gathering around and watching this. It it has the lighthearted spirit that you would want from a holiday movie. And it has the zaniness and then the obscurity of a diehard movie, uh, which again, argued countless times, is diehard a Christmas movie? Yes, no, yes, no. Well, I think the MCU kind of sees it as being a bit of a Christmas movie for how (laughs) much that they they implemented, you know, as he's as he's, you know, shuffling in the in the vent, you know, he's saying the lines. Oh, yeah. Have a holiday party. They said it'll be fine. Right. So John (laughs) McClane, um, I loved every every moment of that episode. I thought it was entirely fun. And it's another example because in the spoiler free, I was talking about it. But it's one of those episodes that's that, um, you know, it's it doesn't play a part in the larger story that's going on. There's elements like you had mentioned that find their way into the other episodes but it's such a uh again a what if episode it's just such a yeah. siloed moment uh and i loved it i i absolutely adored it and i think it, it was it was it was perfect it's it's almost on the same level as the the james gunn guardians of the galaxy holiday special right it's just it has that sort of kooky zany vibe to it it's just another thing that we can add to the you know MCU holiday special watch you know watch time. Um, yeah. I think uh, Sam Rockwell uh, coming oh, back for God. Justin Hammer. <laughs> it's so like he, there's no line that he he just it doesn't miss. Like it's yeah. just he was constant fit. puns. He was yeah. amazing. And actually, you know, this bringing him up, you know, in the spoiler free, I'd mentioned that some of the the actual actors who played these characters who translated into this voice acting side in this animated series, some of them didn't say like I Kate Blanchett. It was great to hear that she was there, but it didn't always sound like her. It sounded like she was doing more of a characterization rather mm-hmm. than just being herself. But Sam Rockwell, he was great because he was just himself, which is so uh, you know parallel to how Robert Downey Jr. approached you know playing Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And you hear it, you you hear it here uh, in in this episode in the sort of light inflections that feel a little more holiday charming. Uh, I thought was was really cute. And shout out to Kat Dennings uh, and oh, John Favreau yeah. for carrying Favreau. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's incredible. I can't believe. So apparently there was a story about him uh, where he said that he wa- he would join doing season one and season two of What If, if at some point he got to be the freak. Right. Uh, which I guess, Justin, there is a there's a comic book line from what I've heard. Yes, where yeah, yeah. you know Hogan becomes the freak. But I just love the fact that they managed to sneak in uh, Hulk Hogan uh, as a line. It was just beautiful. Amazing. It was so beautiful, good. and I so love good. that he, uh, you know, Happy Hogan's in the sixteen oh two episode, uh, and yes. he is fantastic in that episode. He is so, so good. good in that episode. Just yeah. so polar opposite to the Happy Hogan that we know, right? But he still has all the this sort of stress and tension that Happy Hogan would have. So I think that that's great. I also want to shout out Ross Marquand for doing Mm. one of the most amazing uh, Werner uh, Herzog impressions. Like so, so So, good. The fact that there's a, a Werner, uh, you know, a a German version of, uh, of Jarvis is, is fantastic. Well, I, again, I, I was saying it in the spoiler free and I'll say it again here. Uh, Mick Wingert, uh, who uh, plays Tony Stark, outstanding in every single episode uh, that he's featured in. Uh, in episode four, uh, he, mm-hmm. he, he he appears briefly in episode three, obviously in the holiday episode. But you know, episode four is definitely he carries that episode, and 
he did not break. He sounded like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Unreal. Stark. He he gets the inflections. He he knows when to ad lib. It's so perfect. And then going even further, like I loved him in the 1602 episode. It mm-hmm. felt like Tony Stark stuck in 1602. It was yeah. it was really, really great. Um, so I, I you know, again, as as much as we want to applaud a lot of the the actors that that did find their way, like Idris Alba, you know, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett, uh, uh Elizabeth Olsen, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo yeah. was in it, yeah. Rudd was in it, you know, yeah. Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston. We got the heavy hitters of of who are still existing, Taika Waititi, but you know. To hear Mick with his Tony Stark, it just really rounded it all out. And even Josh Keaton, who who plays uh, um, Captain America, Steve Rogers, just so good. Uh, and, and you know, he got Seth. They got Seth Green Seth coming back. Green, dude. It's I was going to say, dude. Yeah, Howard like, the Duck. And the fact that we got an actual quack uh, yeah, out of yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Duck was just—I was so so I, shocked and yeah. taken aback by that. And I loved his personality. Like, I yeah. love that he's—he's—he's he's, he's like a. He's sort of like a, a a nightclub owner, but like it has this sort of like crime syndicate that he's a part of. Um, but his demeanor, his attitude, like I want more Howard the Duck. Like if if we can get more Howard the Duck or even a Howard the Duck animated show, I know that's a lot to ask for one appearance, but yeah, I think there's enough there. There is enough there that you could actually do something like that. Well, and I mean, like you know, I kind of want to talk about uh that that episode that you mentioned with Mick uh Wingert as Tony Stark in episode 4 yes. um i i have anything to do with Goldblum like i i love oh my god I he love, was fantastic in this dude thing. when the when the alarm sounds and it's um uh alarm alarm. uh alarm alarm, alarm. <laughs> it's, it's so good it's um, my birthday oh, i love that that song came back metal mojo man yeah. like just all these little things that you can tell are absolutely just jeff goldblum just riffing and they're just going with it is so so funny well there's an extended part to that episode too right after where he's like i need a sponge sponge me up sponge me up right and he's he's all melted <laughs> and, big pile of and you can you can see that he's like you can hear in this voice that that's probably something that he just improvised yeah. And then they were like, oh, that's so good. Can we like, can we create an animation to that? Um, and they they did, right? I, I feel like that was very much like a, a happy little accident that they decided to throw in this episode because he was he was fantastic in, in that episode. He definitely drove the the sort of kookiness. There's there's such a uh, such a motif to that episode, eh? Like there's like a Mad Max death race, pod race, you know, like it felt very Tatooine, All obviously the vibes, with the desert. Dude. Like it was great. It, that that one was just a fun a fun vibe. I was very impressed with that episode and its cinematics and what it was able to achieve. And like I said, in the, in the uh, spoiler free, it it makes sense that that one didn't make it through season one because they probably didn't want to rush that. And I I appreciate the fact that they, and just anytime I think, you know, Korg, opened his rock mouth like just like the moment when they're walking in slow motion <laughs> it's oh, not actually in slow motion <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah it's like yeah. i've always wanted to walk very slowly <laughs> and uh when he says i'm more of a salt man myself like just all in reference to pepper like it's just it's so it's so fantastic it's just these these little these little tiny moments that are just so funny uh that just stick with love, me that are, are I, so good i love that he's he's like well based on my exterior you'd think i'd be a more outdoorsy person but i'm not <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's so good like he, he again like i think part of what makes cork so special is that it's really just taika with tt right so pretty much you see that you see that in, in everything and i, I 
you know, it, it, if, if anything, in all of these what if iterations that we've seen Korg, he's just the same person. It's it's fantastic. Same Korg. He's the yeah. same Korg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, I think uh, I think my favorite thing, at least for like the, the the first, I would say, four episodes uh, are that they all feel like they are in in uh, their their love letters to uh, the eighties, yeah, right. Yeah. And they're they're these eighties movies. I think the Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I don't think it it necessarily stands up uh, with the rest in terms of like my favorite episodes, but I did really appreciate the the sort of the eighties vibes that we get from it. It reminded me a little bit of Brightburn as well in terms of sure. you know obviously we get a, 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 a that's a good call ending, out though. But, that's a good yeah. call out though. Like, like I, I associated the first four as genres, emulating very much the genres of of you know noir films or you know the Christmas movie or the Die Hard, if you will, because that is the yeah. the eighties. And then even something like Mad Max to a certain degree with with episode four. And Blade Runner and, with and episode Blade one. Run- yeah, Blade Runner and that noir, that, oh, that sort and of Nebula, cyberpunk noir. Nebula is the perfect person to be the star of that oh, for story. Sure. Like she's yeah. just her voice alone is just it's and so you're, you're right like the fact that they got jude law for that episode it's like what really what <laughs> like he was just like sure i'll come back and do Unreal. do a voice act, acting for it but yeah those first four episodes they they feel very um again i think that those that that chunk of episodes there's parts that influence the larger story but none of these stories if i'm not mistaken are are directly influential to the episodes from from pretty much five on on, right so yep so the first four episodes deliver that classic what if scenario where Mm -hmm. it is changing up elements and things that happened and 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 whatnot and i i I appreciated that i liked that they stayed very anthology uh for a good portion but it is it is the mcu i'm not saying everything needs to connect but to have some sense of layer of connectivity given the fact even too that we've had a season a season one i appreciate that they they kind of they committed to that and they they wanted to follow a, a bit of a trajectory with with how things land in each of these episodes to kind of build to episode nine. But like you said, we still got, again, little moments, moments from yeah. some of these episodes that show up, right? Like uh, the the Hogan, the uh, Hogan freak, episode, right? Being, yeah, in, being in, in, the, in, in that episode with... Yeah, 1602. Uh, so, oh man. Yeah. Okay, but um, I want to kind of ask you, Justin, if, if you... if I know it's oh, really God. tough. If you had to pick, though, because you yeah. you you skirted your way around this in our spoiler free almost, pick one. Pick one episode that you will cement. As oh, I your skirted right around it because it was an unfair question. But here, <laughs> you uh, have to answer it. Um, and I looked at it differently. I was I was more about what I wanted, what I was excited for fans to see. Sure. If I if I'm looking at it right now, like what was my favorite episode? What was the one that I, that sat with me the most? It definitely is episode six. You know, what yeah. if uh, Kohardi reshaped the world? Uh, I think that this is. Uh, such an excellent episode for a multitude of reasons. Uh, it's an original story, an original hero. Uh, obviously, the the attention to the Mohawk culture, uh, mm-hmm. the idea of breeding an, an original story into this series that is having liberties with the history of the MCU. This one has the smallest amount of history of the MCU that's actually relevant. Like it, it almost again goes so far back it says like you know what if ragnarok happened sooner rather than later and Mm -hmm. this is the course of events that happened that's really interesting right but i think i think what's what's refreshing about episode six again is just how uh bold and original it is within the confines of what 
this series is meant to be and that's that's a play on the history and uh, the the history and lore of of the MCU thus far and i love i love the like again we're such huge fans of devery jacobs and mm-hmm. she is so phenomenal in the episode and i think the character of cohorty is so damn cool and i i love that she's kind of like her power set is almost in a way it's it's kind of undefined which is so exciting because it kind of gives them the ability especially the fact that she's a holistically new character mm-hmm. to kind of do whatever they want with her they don't have to necessarily there's no gonna there's not gonna be a single person on this planet that's gonna go oh but but cohort in the comics is like no th- that doesn't matter they can they can do really anything they want with her and so when i saw her running with with that like super speed that makari level speed i was like bro like that is so freaking cool um i'm so excited to see i i really do hope that we get more stories of her whether it be in comic books whether it be in in you know future seasons of this show or just in some iteration in the mcu i think um yeah. but it would be interesting right because devry jacobs is playing bonnie in in echo so do they do they I, stick I with think... the same voice this time around or would I, they recast I, it? What do you no, think? Oh, I think they I think they stick with the same voice because they they can exist as separate characters. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they don't true, need to I guess exist. multiverse. Well, not even just that. Like <laughs> I, I think the at the same time it's it's we are looking at we are looking at an instance here of two separate characters that exist in two separate properties um that won't necessarily overlap. And I don't think you know, they need to. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's asking for them to. Um, I'm completely fine if if Corthy stays as a strictly animated character that is becomes, you know, with the watcher. And if they mm. decide to then bring her to live action, they cast someone separate from that of Devry. Um, I think that that, that would that makes the most sense mm-hmm. to do it that way. At the same time, who knows? Marvel, I read recently that Marvel is apparently talking to Mad Mickelson about a role, but he was already in a movie in, in the MCU. So it's like, what else? Who oh, right. Yeah. Movie? He was in Dr. Strange, right? Yeah. yeah. He was the bad guy in Dr. Yeah. Strange. Right? Casillier or whatever. Casillier. Um, so yeah, it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess they, like they can have free reign with it, but yeah. I know I get the idea of like the, the, the service to the character, but I think even for Devery to do what she's done with this character for the first time in animated, the mm-hmm. first time for Marvel, that might be like enough. She might not need to want to translate this character to live action herself. She mm-hmm. could be free and say, well, yeah, I'd love to see this character uh, live on in live action. Who are you thinking of? And you bring in Amber Mid Thunder to play Cordy in live action. Bro. <laughs> I'm there. I'm, I would be there. And I think, again, I think, I think, I think Devery would celebrate that. She would love that, that yeah. character that she helped bring to life in one medium is living on in another, um, yeah. in, in a new, in a new character. So I think that that's, that would be great. That would be unreal. I love that casting. Um, now, I for me, uh, if I had to pick, yeah, what's your favorite? One... I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm, I'm surprised you wouldn't have said like episode six was your favorite. You know what? I'm, I'm right there with you. But in the interest of of this conversation, oh, I see um... you're gonna, you're gonna go to your number two now, right? So this is your number <laughs> two, episode so... eight. Uh, what if the Avengers assembled in 1602? Is so. It's so much fun, dude. It's so much fun. I think the idea that that two times, uh, two timelines are combining to make a new one is just so cool, and it's such a fun idea within the world of what if. And seeing Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, and Scott Lang as this merry band of thieves that steal from the rich and give to themselves is awesome. It's so much fun. It kind of, in a way 
it it perfectly fits their characters and for someone like steve rogers it kind of goes against his character but right but in such a fun again sort of light-hearted way i get that they're probably taking for themselves but i think he's still trying to give back to he probably is he probably is i don't i don't i don't know if if bucky and and uh, scott are but i don't think scott is at all no but you're (laughs) absolutely right the line that scott said great stealing today everyone it's so good so funny yeah yeah i think i think that episode has so much charm and uh it's it's actually the one that it has most of the classic avengers right like it it has Mm -hmm. like it has it has tony it has it has bruce uh, who is great um i loved seeing again uh, scott lang show up in one of these stories I, I think he's he always adds that sort of flair and to have him in something like this again it, it, it almost felt like some of these characters were ripped out of their own timeline and put into 1602 mm-hmm. um and to see scarlet witch in in this in this period of time was was pretty epic i i liked i liked that um yeah known as uh wanda merlin is what wanda they called her merlin. Interesting. yeah <laughs> which is super cool right like right. again the idea that they're taking these classic characters or like i I love that um, uh, with uh, with Loki and how he's he starts off by reciting uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. And I love that there's a moment where he's just casually talking about, you know, he's like, oh, Will Will wrote a new play and I'm so excited (laughs) for it. And uh, he he talks about being um, Iago. Uh, and it's actually funny cause he, he didn't get to play Iago, but he, he starred, uh, across from Ewan McGregor who played Iago, uh, in, uh, I think it was Othello. Um, but it's oh, just so funny. It's, it's funny how he, he kind of is going off. I'm wondering if there's some sort of in joke there where maybe he, he tried, he wanted that role and maybe never got it. So sure. like him constantly maybe. talking about it as his character. Well, well I, yeah. I'm, I'm not mistaken. Tom Hiddleston is a theater trained actor. Oh, 100%. And, which is which is why it was so fitting to see Loki's character played by him kind of sort of being this sort of theater kid, very vain and so very good. very much about his performance and stuff like that. I, I thought it was it was it was spot on if you will. I also want to shout out like the little the little bits of world building that we get through just such a small amount of exposition where they're looking at this like war table and they talk about Nebula's um, observatory, right? Or or Isla Ego, so the Ego Island, right? That's like yeah. as if Ego is just an island, uh-huh. uh, or Groot Groves being the winery, and then you see how upset uh, Thor is about the fact that the wine is gone, and it's just it's. Again, I think this, you know, Red Skull being the executioner yeah. uh, is hilarious. And it's just the 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 I think this is one of my favorite elements of what if in and and the fact that it is part of sort of the larger cohesive story for let's talk about her. Peggy Carter. Peggy mm-hmm. Carter is the, the MVP. She's the MVP. She's the multiversal Captain America. And I think that's so dang cool um she's she's again she's out of all the characters to sort of choose i'm so happy that we were getting more of her uh as the continuation from the events in season one to this season yeah i i love that this this season very much sets up peggy carter captain carter as the multiversal protector um her character becomes that much more important to the mcu um you know we were gifted her presence in uh, Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness in, in a live action form, which was great. Um, and it obviously begs a lot of questions of like, is that the same iteration, I, same character? It's obviously probably not, but at the same time, one would love to think. But I I enjoy that 
her character has such a arc in this in this season uh, that feels sort of developed and mm-hmm. there's growth to her. Uh, she understands her own perspective and her own desires and wants through that of of Strange in the final moments. And I think that how they differ, right? Um, and how she she you know she she can't be selfish. She's um, a tragic hero. She'll never end up. Well, so is Captain America. She, right. right. He was but a then, tragic but hero. Then there, but I love that line, right, at the end yeah. of this episode we're where, there, you know, the, maybe somewhere there is or something, right? And we're like, we saw that one. That was the one that we got uh, sure. in that's, our universe, right? But that's, so and, that's, cool. and I think that that's the wink and nod, right? Yeah. You know? And, like, shout out to them for, you know, implementing Steve Rogers as the man out of time in episode eight. Like, just going back to 1602 for a second here, like... Mm-hmm. I totally called that. I was like, that is not the Steve Rogers of this universe. That is definitely a Steve Rogers from our I mean his hair, his beard, the sure. shield looked but the same. But I was I thought for a moment that he yeah. was gonna be the one that was traveling back, dropping off those infinity stones back to the timelines and he kind of got stuck and and whatnot. But instead, no, this is a a a different iteration of Steve Rogers and Captain America that just grazed or or punctured the time stone and is suddenly sent through a a whimsy of 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 worlds and ends up in 1602 so um i I really enjoyed that they 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 played with that it also just makes me think that there's a story there somewhere that could pop up where we do see steve rogers on his journey to to drop off those infinity stones a what if scenario if you sure. will that, that yeah. could show up in a season a three. spin-off series of what if. sure sure but you know <laughs> the finale let's talk the, about the finale yeah the finale of this episode is 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 so earned and feels so deserving um yes it moves us through pretty quickly there's a lot of like running around yeah, yeah. um to get to these to, to get to things but what you stumble upon along the way does make it a little more interesting does does make it a little more interesting but yeah there is a little more you know zipping around to get to where they need to get but as you as you start to move through it's like sort of video game where it's like they're picking up pieces yeah. for for elements that they need right so right well i think i i do i will say i think the finale for this season uh was way better than season one finale sure. i enjoyed season one finale i know you weren't hot on it no. um because i think the biggest issue that you had had, because I went back and I re-listened to our thoughts on on the season one finale, and the, the biggest issue you had was that it felt overstuffed and un, and unnecessarily so. Yeah. Whereas here, they're still able to feature so many elements and characters from across the multiverse without making it feel overstuffed right i think you know you get a little killmonger cameo here which was unreal uh you get a loki gunslinger in the background over there a rocket moment there's a dragon from shang chi that flies in but at the heart of this finale we have three characters we have peggy we have cohorti uh, and we have strange supreme and i think that's what works so well about this finale i think the the episode itself like you just mentioned it's a little fast-paced at the beginning, in terms of like the 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 heel turn for Strange being like a good guy to being the ultimate bad guy, but I still really enjoyed it, and I I love how much of of both Cohorti and Peggy's character we get. I love the fact that at the beginning of the episode, um, they're I think they're in like some sort of elevator or something. I don't know, but uh, Stephen Strange, you know, is talking to Peggy, and uh, Peggy says, "Who's the bad guy?" 
right? Because, you know, you sort of look at her as a hero of time and traditionally, you know, she would be most usually fighting bad guys. Well, um, whereas he he sort of corrects her and says, no, no, it's actually, um, you know, a, a woman. Yeah, but I think what he was doing there, he was he was obviously planting a seed, right? He's saying, totally. "Look, I'm I'm traveling the multiverse and saving the multiverse by capturing all the villains." Mm-hmm. So immediately in her mind, she's like, "Okay, so who's the bad guy that you need help catching?" Yeah, he's like, "Well, it's not a guy; it's a woman." Yeah, yeah. right. So she's going into this situation obviously with with false information, mm-hmm. right? And you know, to your point, there's that pretty quick heel turn where. We realize that no Doctor Strange or Strange Supreme is the bad guy, yeah. And you know, Corte is is uh, is actually the one that's the hero of of the story, or or the the how does she refer to herself? She's the mm-hmm. righteous hero because mm-hmm. uh, he's not just going after villains; he's going after righteous heroes as well. Um, you know that that turn of events happens very quickly, um, and I understand why. You know, to kind of move the episode along. Um, but like like you were saying, like we were saying, like to see Killmonger, you know, oh, when she acquires so cool the the you know the what the was infinity it? suit, the infinity suit, <laughs> dude, Ultron's infinity suit, and then all the weapons that they're oh, handing her. And well, she's that's got Mjolnir and and that that to me dude. is where all the other episodes mattered. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. When you see Hela falling and she says, "Well, she's not." They're not out of luck yet. That that will to see her give up the helmet exactly, in that, that moment, will. knowing how important it is to her. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right to give her that, and then Thor throwing his hammer, you Dude. know, and and when 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 Woof throwing his ten rings, like like when you saw all of those things, I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> they are getting go. loaded up, and yeah. then just that sort of that pull, that camera pulls back, and that hero pose of like Cordy making you know Mjolnir fly right, and ha- wearing the ten rings, and it's you know. She's got hey, Peggy's got the helmet of Hella's helmet, and she's wearing this. Inf- you're like, let's go. Let's yeah. see an ass whooping like no other. And it did. It delivered. And I think that's where this sort of fan service moment kind of comes to fruition here, mm-hmm. as you get to see all of these again elements that have been sprinkled out throughout the rest of the season find their way into one moment as mm-hmm. and, into one sequence of of fighting, and you're just like. You know, it's, again, it feels like a video game in that it's like you don't just have like your power ups and your you know your your combos. You got everything that you need right now. So it was it was interesting. It worked surprisingly well. I don't think that this would have worked though if it was live action. If this was a live action thing, uh, you know, I think we would be saying we would be saying a lot of things differently. It's too fast. Doesn't make sense. It's all fan service for the sake of fan service. But within uh, the within the confines of the structure of this story of what if, mm-hmm. um, it absolutely does. And I I will say like I I love uh, like I think the or sorry I think the reason it works so much better this time around because you talk about the fan service right. We talk mm-hmm. about the season one finale very much is that sort of fan service yeah. element. And yes, I understand that they were gathering the guardians of the multiverse sort of, you know, here and there throughout the season. But but th- where that sort of felt a little bit more fan servicey from the standpoint of um, we're giving the MCU movie fans what they want. This finale felt holistically. Yeah. As it's done better. giving the what if fans service. what they want, well, yeah, right? Exactly. And I think that's what yeah. works so much better about it. And of course, yeah. they didn't have the opportunity to necessarily 
really do that in in a season one. So I think going forward, I think it just makes me even more excited about what they have the opportunity to do in terms of uh, continuing this story and then giving us moments where we're excited about situations and moments. Yes, technically from the MCU, but more so from what if coming back and teaming up and having sort of those those big moments because again i think that's what was so special about this finale like you were saying is getting to see those moments of those characters that we got along the way sort of aiding them and helping them in that final fight was just phenomenal yeah i think the other thing too about season one and i know we're talking about season two but the way season one wrapped is that none of it felt as what as earned as it needed to be. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. getting an Avengers movie felt earned. You know what I mean? I don't sure. know if the episodes that led to, you know, Guardians of the Multiverse really that it deserved that finale, right? I think mm-hmm. that it 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 didn't it it went too big and bold. But to your point, here, you know, this the idea that three characters are are sort of the central focus of this finale. Um we are getting fan service that doesn't feel like it's just to we need to have an Avengers moment. Right. We just this felt like we need to incorporate elements that we've been hinting at that we've seen uh, throughout uh, the rest of these episodes to kind of give poignancy to this last you know hurrah this last fight that that Peggy and and Corti are, are are in and it really does hit. I think that that makes more sense than the finale that we got for season one, where it was just like, oh yeah, we got an Ultron, we got an Infinity Stones, we need the Avengers. It's like, okay, like, you know, it's just, it was too, it was too direct. This feels so indirect. This feels, again, carving its own story, telling its own story, um, and really embracing, again, like you said, that that what if notion and, you know, bringing that what if fan service to this series. Well, Speaking of of maybe something that people will see as more of a an MCU live action fan service moment, let's talk about the final moment uh, in the finale. Justin, um, I will say, you know, we we get that moment. Peggy and and Uatu are are uh, they're they're in uh, you know Steven's universe, and they see Christine, and they have that dialogue about the fact that. You know, he recreated the universe, but he'll never be born into it is extremely sad. Um, but then we the when she when she sort of looks Poetic, at Uatu. Uh, right. But they she he he looks she looks at Uatu and says, let's take a detour. Uh, and it kind the of feels route. the scenic route. It kind of feels a little bit sort of uh, dropped in a little bit. But I will say when we see the tree from Loki season two. It it hit for me. Um, so I want to talk to you now, Justin. What's next? What's going to happen next? Yeah, like I don't I don't know if this was sort of the Watcher's way of of you know saying, well, you want to see something cool? <laughs> Let me show you something cool. This right? is cool. So he's, this Look is at what cool. this Loki is doing. And I think you know, for us, I don't know if we're meant to like read deep into it as like where this is going to connect. But I think it also just carves out this idea that Peggy Carter's importance to the multiverse yeah. is that much is is going to be very integral. Yeah. And maybe the watcher is going to mentor her, show her, you know, because maybe he doesn't need a guardians of the multiverse. He just needs a guardian of the multiverse. And sure. that could be Peggy Carter, who, as he says, is lost in time, but you know, can't go back to her time and stuck in time. Like she's oh there's a there's a a a sort of 
a, a synergy of time displacement that surrounds her character. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, again, we're meant to see this as a moment of the watcher just kind of showing, you know, what's, what is next, the, what the multiverse looks like. This shot though was in promotional material. I wasn't necessarily spoiled, <sighs> yeah. but I, I like to your point, you were pretty shocked by it. Uh, I was not. Yeah. Uh, I was like, when is this going to happen? And then when I didn't she watch said any, this scene, any of the trailers, by the way, yeah, just for the people listening. Yeah. So like I, I watched I watched um, a teaser trailer. Never watched. Um, well, it was a teaser trailer. It was meant to be a <laughs> holiday teaser trailer that just kind of gave you some highlights. That's why I don't think it's necessarily as significantly important to anything else other mm. than just really kind of. I don't know. I, I feel like again, it, it is the the way the multiverse is is now shaped, and mm-hmm. how the how the timelines are now working. But you know, maybe that's the importance is to just again align that and say that like here's that little bit of connectivity here. It, it might change the course of what happens for what if season three, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you how that would be the case. I, I think that more or less this is seen as a moment of. You know, again, the watcher saying to Peggy, "Well, you want to see the scenic route? You want to see something cool? Like you should check this shit out. Look at this. Look <laughs> well, what's happening here. You know what's inside that? You know what's inside that? Oh my God! Let me tell you, Justin. Right. I love your your uh, your reservations, your reserved fandom. I expect one of two things to come out of this: either Peggy and the watcher show up in the live action MCU with Loki uh, at some point. I don't care when it is, but at some point, uh, or we see Loki from Loki season two uh, at the end uh, in what if season three, either way I'm happy because it means we'll get uh, Haley Atwell, Jeffrey Wright and Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I know they'll all be on board for that story. And to me, I think it's, it's, it's the perfect addition to either ongoing story. And I think it would be really incredible to sort of see these three interact. Now, does it need to be the basis of everything that happens in a what if season three? Not exactly, but could it be something that kicks off the storyline for the next part of whatever Loki story is and the next part of whatever Peggy story is? Doesn't have to be together, but just maybe give us a moment, give us an episode that sort of says, okay, we're, we're leaving Loki behind to do his own thing. And then you'll see that later. Um, but we do get a moment to see them interact. I just think it would be so damn cool because like you're saying justin i think loki at this point in his life is is incredibly obviously he's he's literally holding everything together he's so integral to the multiverse but then we've got captain uh you know the 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 captain multiverse if you will in 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 captain carter that i think is just i think those two we need to see them talk to each other i think it'd be so cool i I think Um, i think it'd be really fun I think you'll probably get that in an animated form than you would in a live action. I think I think it's pretty clear now based on everything that's happened with Loki that this is it. Yeah. Like, he'll come back, but it won't be for a long while. It's the same the same sort of sentiments of what they're actually saying now about about Kang. Mm. Obviously we won't get into it, but you know, Jonathan Majors no longer, no longer part Kang. of the MCU. Yeah, and will no longer be Kang. And, you know, what are the plans? They may they may not have Kang show up until they actually need to mm-hmm. in a secret wars or, or, you know, the, the Kang dynasty, or if they even do the Kang dynasty, but he will be, he could close out the multiversal part of, of the MCU story. And that's when they bring him back, but mm. they won't necessarily address him. And I could see them doing that with Loki. Loki's in his place. He's parked. Mm-hmm. He's doing his thing. 
He's holding the timelines together. Yeah. And he'll come back when it makes the most sense for him to come back. But I, I think it would be great to see the Watcher come to live action in some way. In some way. We, we already got them. Sure. Got three of them. Yeah. In, in Just the animate them. And then, and then Jeffrey Wright does the voice. Perfect. Exactly. And it would be Excellent. perfect. And, you know, I think it's, it's totally feasible to, to assume that that could happen, especially in a secret wars uh capacity i think seeing peggy carter coming in would be dude Haley atwell with how just phenomenal she was in mission impossible like she she's clearly got the star power like just let's get i want i want a live action uh i don't care if it's a series or a movie i want to see Haley atwell uh on screen again uh just as, as she's as captain as captain carter 100 yeah. and yeah, yeah. this captain carter i want this captain carter specifically sure. i think it would be phenomenal yeah, so yeah, cool. I think yeah, it's, with with you mean her history and her what she's gone through and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Is there anything else that you wanted to to mention before we uh, wrap up this spoiler filled discussion for What If season two? Is there any other anything any lingering thoughts or uh, things you wanted to shout out? Um, nothing that I, I guess the last thing I, I didn't mention is uh, I really loved episode five for the uh, for the notion of calling out. Um, not doing sequels, but having <laughs> yes. to revisit, having to revisit, you know, Captain Carter to kind of set up her story. This is where it sort of begins. And the Winter Soldier vibes that this episode had, um, yeah. because it definitely was a, a parody of that. Um, I loved it. I thought it was so good. It's one of my favorite movies of the MCU is, is Winter Soldier. So to see this sort of take shape differently based on the circumstances of Captain Carter and her journey, like her journey is obviously similar to that of Steve Rogers from our MCU, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ripped from time coming back years later. Um, and I also just loved how she was more up to date throughout this this movie where uh, she made more pop culture references where yes. i think in episode nine there was a joke made about uh oh well one of, you know one of them escaped right right like one of the he, villains escaped and then it's like well oh, how'd you know and then he's like oh jurassic park yeah you know, gremlins they, yeah gremlins anything <laughs> yeah. you collect a lot of yeah uh is bound to escape so I, I thought that was really great and also in episode eight i loved the meta conversation that um the watcher is having with with Peggy as she's, you know, uh, chained up in the, the, I guess the castle, if you will, mm-hmm. before she breaks out the Hulk and talking about, you know, just his role, like not his role, but like talking about like all the different scenarios for Peggy. And it's mm-hmm. just, what if this, what if that, what if this? And, she and just, then she just she goes, goes, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and I love that. And I think it, it brings about this sort of meta quality that the show really is tapping into, obviously parroting and drawing reference from the MCU, but then also the idea of like, are you just going to stand there or are you going to narrate, right? Yeah. You're going to narrate, right? So it's, you know, I, I love that sort of this this breaking of the wall and layers are kind of happening. I think the show is, again, like you you said in, in the spoiler free, it's it's finding its confidence and, yeah. and understanding what it's doing and it's kind of it's having fun with it so in the and towards the end of this 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 season you can see that they're they're very much like breaking the rules let's just do it well you just saying the words breaking the rules a i'm already super excited for deadpool obviously but the idea that once deadpool is out we've got these animators go they dig into the bag of of characters that they're now allowed to play with dude if we get a Deadpool in what if season three, 
would be amazing. I think yeah. he would be the perfect sort of uh, like sort of anti answer to Peggy Carter. I think Peggy having to deal with Deadpool and getting to see them interact, dude. Come on. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, that's. I think. I think there's a lot of poten- potential there, and, it's and just the idea of like, Watu and, and Deadpool talking yeah, well, to just, each other. Well, you know, again, you know, obviously remaining spoiler free for other things, but you know, with the insight that mutants will be a thing, yeah, to see that played out in what if episodes down the road, that oh, seems like it'll be a lot of fun. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so you know, when what if season three? What if? There's a season three. I really think there will be. Uh, I think this show is going to be, I think it's incredibly successful. Uh, I mean, let us know. You know, we don't because we're in the past and you're in the future. (laughs) But uh, I really do think based off of what we've seen uh, that it is going to be a a really big hit. hit. It's going to be a hit. Yeah. Again, we we haven't heard any of the dialogue or fandom fan conversations from from Twitter uh, during the, the drop of these episodes. But I'm certain even just with the early reactions that we've seen thus far, yeah, people are loving it. There's yeah. no one that's saying anything bad about it. So, you know, again, I, I guess it's just a matter of how these nine episodes play out for everyone. Uh, that is it for this spoiler filled discussion of what if season two, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this season, um, did you enjoy the finale? What do you think is going to happen next? Do you think I'm right? Do you think Justin's right? Do you have your own theory? We would love to hear it. Well, I'm going to let Justin uh, yet again be your guide. Uh, he's watching you. You better look out. He's watching you. So uh, he's going to tell you how you can <laughs> reach us. Checking my list. He's checking, checking it twice, list. dude. Checking it twice. Checking uh, you it know twice. what? Christmas has already passed That's by the time true. this episode. That's true, posted, actually. So. You're right. Uh, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt. Well, formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. Or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. You can also join us on the Discord. We'll, we'll, we'll create a room for it. We're, we're going to have a room open so you guys can, everyone can join in the conversation and share their thoughts of what they thought. Uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of ep- episodes covering our recent releases uh, with, as we mentioned, our spoiler free reviews for What If Season 2. You can hear our rating for this season. Uh, we also have our reviews of Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, A24, and Elevation Pictures, The Iron Claw, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Uh, leave the world behind and Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. We also have some great interviews. Uh, Justin went to the LA premiere of Rebel Moon and talked to director Zack Snyder. That happened in this year of 2023. Uh, so definitely go check it out. Check out the YouTube version of that interview as well. It looks, it's one of the coolest looking interviews that I've ever that we've ever gotten to be a part of. Uh, you can check those out either on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this what-if spoiler-filled discussion. Uh, and as we say in this universe and all universes, love ya. Peace. Peace.